Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership between Kairos Partnerships and Christianity Today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week on the Monday Morning Pastor. Really lucky. JR and myself have a great opportunity to sit down with an old professor friend of mine, Dr. Daniel McNaughton. Um, we're really looking forward to just the way that he spells out discipleship. Uh, his whole passion and life has been geared towards discipling Christians. Um, and he has served in many different roles. You'll find all that good stuff out in the bio. But the one thing that I've really appreciated about the conversation we have coming up, and maybe even a good way for us to begin to think and framing as we enter into this conversation, maybe even stuff for us to think about through the week, but how are we helping our people just fall more in love with Jesus? Uh, and I think even beyond that, the other question is, how are we falling more in love with Jesus? And so pastors, I, I know coming right off of a, a weekend of teaching and preaching and, and all the different things that are going on, uh, that question may feel like a heavy burden, but my prayer is that that question is actually uh, something that we get to do, an invitation for us to be the people who are in love with Jesus the most in our communities. Our guest today is Dr. Daniel McNaughton. He serves as the professor of practical ministries in the Barrett College of Ministry and Theology at Southeastern University, Lakeland, Florida. Prior to that, he served as a consultant and a coach for learning to follow ministries and as an executive pastor at Christian Life Assembly in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. He was the founder and lead pastor of Spring Valley Community Church in Roarsford, PA, where he served for six years. Before that, he served for 11 years as a Bible and church ministry professor at the University of Valley Forge, which is where I went, and that's how I met Dan. He completed the mats and, the, and a PhD in Old Testament at Gordon-Conwell and the University of Toronto. His dissertation was a comparative analysis of three Greek and Hebrew versions of 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14. Dr. McNaughton is, the mo is most passionate about helping leaders develop healthy, discipling, and multiplying churches that reach the world for Jesus. He is married to his wife and his best friend, Amy, for more than 36 years, and they have two adult children. And if you're ever in Lakeland, Florida on a Sunday, he invites you over for the biggest steak dinner you've ever had in your life. We hope that you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Daniel McNaught. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, and it's really good to see you again. Thank you for the invitation, Doug. Man, well, you know, it's really fun to see you again. It's been a while. Yeah. You're 18 years. I mean, I've changed. I've, I've gotten a lot more gray. You look like you've gotten younger, which is a good thing. So, oh, you're now, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything that you want. So I can't pay, you can't pay me. I can't pay you or anything like that. So, yeah. You know. So, you know, it, first of all, it was really good catching up with you right beforehand, but I'd love it if you would start by sharing some of your story, your call to ministry and, and how that has played out over the years and, and, and where you are now currently. Well, I hope I don't go too long on this story. There's so much to this, to, to my story. I was raised, uh, I was actually born uh, in Northeast Nebraska to a Pentecostal pastor's home and grew up and we were, there's a lot of wonderful stuff and there's some awful stuff too. And I just grew up thinking I never want to be in ministry. I mean, I love the Lord, uh, sort of as you can as a kid, but I didn't really know him personally. And then I had an incredible, uh, well, I had a pretty sad event happen in high school where uh, I was um, 
I was asking a lot of difficult questions. My mom and my dad were not very healthy. My mom was uh, particularly unhealthy. She was bipolar, but would never get any help. And I was trying to, you know, connect that with, you know, how can she be this woman of God, quote, and then be so strange at times, you know? And so my dad was in and out of ministry. And at this point, he was out of ministry. I was early high school. We'd made a bunch of moves. And anyway, I, I, I know you asked me about my ministry call, but you have to understand why I didn't want to be a minister first. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I decided to go to a person that I really looked up to who had, you know, some degrees and who was a, a pastor at the time to say how, you know, I had a couple of really big, hard questions for me. And I went to him and and I started to ask him about how can my mom be so strange and if there's a God. And it just hit that guy the wrong way. And so he went into the, you know, you just need to respect your mama and all that kind of stuff. And you're you're something wrong with you if you're not being honoring to your mom right now. And so I started to get mm-hmm. up to leave and um you know, I thanked him because it where I was from, you always thank people and you you just basically are gracious and and he made me sit down and ask the second question. And I didn't want to ask the second question because he just had reamed me out basically. Mm. And um but I didn't I didn't even know you're 15 or whatever, 16, you don't know how to ask the right questions the right way. And but what what happened? He's a famous preacher, actually. And um but and I, I would go to church and try to listen because I was really struggling with my faith and a lot of reasons for that. But uh, I couldn't make the connection between his reading, a, his reading a certain passage of scripture and then what he preached on. And I didn't understand. I didn't even know the word hermeneutics, but I was asking a hermeneutic question. I really wanted to understand because everybody mm. would really get excited about his preaching. And so the second question was, is there like a class I can take? Or, you know, I was trying to figure out how to ask how I could learn how to, uh, you know, make a connection with his sermons. So the second question, you know, after he had reamed me out about asking about my mom, uh, he made me sit back down and I didn't know what to do except for ask the question. So I just said, hey, um, when you preach and you read a passage of scripture, I can't figure out like why, why you say after that what you say, because I'm trying to. <laughs> I can't see the connection, you know, and I wasn't really, I wasn't slamming his sermon, you know, he was so mad and he just said all kind of stuff to me. And honestly, I left there an agnostic hmm. because my question was, you know, are there any answers to, you know, tough questions about, you know, people who have mental illness and, and also just, is there any real meaning or are people just talking off the top of their heads from the Bible? And uh, so I left there. And so for the next two and a half years, I actually did not believe there was a God. Hmm. And at my latter part of my junior year, well, that two and a half years, I spent about seven hours a day playing basketball. I literally was just on a different track and uh, was trying to play some big time basketball and actually was doing well. And then I met, met Jesus in a really powerful way, uh, just a, like crazy, really changed my life kind of way. And I then wanted to be around Christians and I needed Christian friends. And, and so, uh, we didn't have any money. We were poor. And the only way I was going to get to go to college was play basketball. So I had to look for scholarships and stuff. And I heard about a Christian school in Missouri that had basketball scholarships. And I 
loved it. And so I, that's how I went there. I went there as a not wanting to have anything to do with ministry, but I went there as a business accounting major. And during that year, uh, realized I did not want to be an accountant. Um, <laughs> I finished the year because it's a good thing to finish. But uh, but during that year, they had a spiritual emphasis week and uh, they were somebody was preaching about not holding anything back from God. And I knew that the only thing I wasn't surrendering was that I would be a minister if he wanted me to be. But I didn't want to be inauthentic. So I, I had a prayer that kind of went like this. God, you and I both know I have no interest in being a minister, but I don't want to hold anything back from you. So I, I want to say it one, one time and then I don't want to have to say it again in my entire life because <laughs> I want to mean it with all I am right now. So I just said, hey, God, if you want me to be a minister, uh, then uh, I will do that. And like in a moment, he changed my heart. Mm. Like it's one of the biggest miracles of my life. I started wanting to be a minister, but not like I grew up around. And so I didn't know what that meant. I literally almost left the school where I was because I thought, well, if I'm going to be a minister, I need to go to places where they actually train them. Uh, they had a biblical studies degree, but it wasn't very practical at all. And uh, at that point, I had no interest in academics or anything. And so. I tried to leave and then felt like I shouldn't. I had a good conversation with my dad about it. And he said, you should stay. You have a scholarship. You can get what you can, you know. And that led to more of a, like a whole academic side of my life that I didn't even know that I could do. So, so mm -hmm. it, I kind of have always had embedded both the calling and the practical the pastoral kind of feeling of what I'm going to do with my life, but also academics were embedded even in the calling. Mm. Yeah. We, uh, we, there's a term that's used that you're, a, sounds like you're a pracademic, um, <laughs> that you want to make sure that there's a, you know, a praxeological element of your life. You don't want to just teach it. You want to live it and teach others to live it while also teaching it. And that's a beautiful blend. I'm, I'm curious, Daniel, how in the world did you go from like this really uh, hard, difficult academic experience and, and yet now you're now you're a professor. So how have some of those harder experiences and then God calling you in into academics and even saying, I, I don't really want to be the pastor that I grew up seeing. I want to be something totally different. How do those experiences impact how you teach in the classroom? Wow. So um, I'm I'm 60. Okay. So there's a, you just threw me a softball of about, about a two hour conversation. <laughs> um, but um, I'm going to try to do this quickly, just so people who hear this, basically, I've all, I mean, when I met Jesus, I was really done with life as you know it. You know, I literally, I was very serious about being done. And so when I met Christ, he changed me so radically uh, that I, I just wanted to know him and I wanted my friends to know him. And so I started off there. So then going through the academic world was, has always been just kind of obedience. Oh, I felt mm -hmm. like the Lord wanted me to do the academic stuff. So, and I found out I had a gift in, in that I, I was gifted in learning Hebrew and I have, I'm, I've always asked a bazillion questions. They've gotten me in trouble my entire life, <laughs> but I don't think of myself as an academic, even though I am. I think of myself as just this inquisitive. I just, I can't stop making, I can't stop my brain asking all these questions. Mm -hmm. And so that served me well in academics, uh, but I've always just been in love with Jesus. So 
when there were like really hard uh, theological questions where my friends were like losing their faith, I, I couldn't lose my faith because it wasn't built on an argument or a, you know, I, I have lots of arguments, but I, it was built on this powerful encounter with Jesus. And so, so what happened is I was always caring about the, the practical and then learning about the academic. And, um, you know, what set up the academic was I was in a missions class in my master's program and we had to choose a religion. I chose Islam to kind of focus on. And I went to, a. I went to a, a, a mosque in Boston, and I knew just enough about Islam to ask a bunch of questions. And so I asked the imam, uh, so do you read the gospel? You know, And he said, uh, what do you mean? And I said, well, doesn't the Quran tell you sh you should read the gospel? And he goes, ah, you're a Christian. He goes, uh, he said, uh, you guys have four gospels, um, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad said we should read the gospel singular. Which one is it in yours? And I said, well, it's all of them. And he said, well, they're all different and they're all written long after Jesus. So how do we know, you know? So he spun my head around for about 15, 20 minutes and I didn't know, have any answers. And he actually referenced the gospel of Barnabas as well in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, what about the gospel of Barnabas who who referenced a prophet that's going to come after him. And I had never heard of the gospel of Barnabas. And anyway, out of that, I, I knew that I had been, you know, bested considerably. Well, that sent me on a, on a big like trajectory of learning. What, what do we know about the biblical text? How can, can it be trusted and all that? So that's how I got into a PhD in textual criticism. I then spent the next 14 years doing that. But at the same time I was doing that, I was also, uh, except for one year involved in some kind of vocational ministry. So they, they've always been welded together in my head. Like I, they literally are not separate. People ask me, which do you prefer? And I say, it's like telling you what, what child do you, <laughs> you love, you know, I love them. I love it all. And so that's how it goes for me. I don't really, they're not separate for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. So pastors, you know, for the most part, pastors are are heady. You know, a lot of us pastors, we like to read, you know, commentaries and prepare for our sermons. And we read these nerdy theological books, not everybody, but a lot. And so I was just, it, it just what you're saying, Daniel, just reminded me this morning, you know, reading in Matthew 3 and, you know, John the Baptist, and he's, you know, he lashes out to the professors of the day, you know, the theological professors and saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, right? And so there's this phrase that we see when you walk off the tube, you know, when you're in England, like mind the gap. And so that gap between of knowing and living, even as you're teaching pastors and future pastors, even as pastors are listening to this, what would you want to say to pastors regarding like that idea of mind the gap? Just because we know it, how do we make sure we live it? What are ways you do that? Mm -hmm. What are ways when you teach, you make sure that there's not just a mental ascent living from the neck up? How do we be neck down people in addition to neck up as pastors? Yeah. So Jesus' words really challenge me where, you know, he, first of all, he said, make disciples of all nations. There's one command in the great commission in the Greek, make disciples. It's just one word. We have to give it to Jesus also. So we, we have this mandate to reach everybody, first of all. And the second thing is, Jesus is the one who said, those who come to me, hear my words and put it into practice, will have a foundation. 
And I, I'm really concerned about, um, and have been, uh, really my whole life that some people have made following Jesus about information Mm. only. Like if you know more, somehow you're a better Christian. And that's actually not true. Jesus says, you, you know, you have to come to him. You have to hear his word and have to put it into practice. So if we don't really make um, it really accessible to everybody, mm. uh, we haven't done our job. Mm. And so, you know, I, I really believed in, you know, and a lot of this is, was developed over my, uh, my time as a pastor. And, but I believe that if people leave and they don't know what to do with your mat, like literally don't know the next ridiculously simple step to take, that we haven't preached yet. Mm. And so um, I tried to have a big idea right early on in the message and say, look, if, if you need the elevator speech, you know, if you have to leave in five minutes, your kid cries or something here, I want you to know exactly what to do today as you leave here. So I think I really believe in, you know, preaching and teaching your points, you know, the application needs to be super clear so that at least that part of it, you know, whether we obey or not, that's another deal. But mm -hmm. at least the clarity of what is that passage about in context, mm -hmm. what, in, what does it have on our lives? What is it, does it challenge us to do differently? So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a conceptual guy. I love concept, but I also have always really been frustrated with people that don't let everybody in on the secret. Like, I don't like it when people use special language, you know, uh, as a PhD in textual criticism, I could like <laughs> use a lot of special language on people, but it, it kind of, it's, it's kind of arrogant. And I don't know, I just don't like it personally. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be a guy that can talk to a five-year-old and a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 50-year-old all at the same time. Mm. And and you remember, uh, you know, Jesus was that way. He hung he hung out with everybody. He could relate to everybody. I just want to be like him, mm. you know. <laughs> Long way from it, but that's you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't see space to be the anything but that. Mm. think about um you've been a pastor for many of these years uh kind of running on the same rails of academia and pastoral ministry um how did you keep your heart and your love for Jesus front and center during those years in ministry of of pastoral leadership well it's not easy <laughs> uh and and a lot of times there's a lots to pull you uh, different directions. Uh, it's it's really easy to fall into traps like, well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to sp spend personally with Jesus. You know, some of the big name people say, you know, you can just use your, you know, sermon prep as your, you know, your private time with Jesus. And I did that for a little while. And I'm like, man, something's missing. Mm. I don't want to do that. So I've kind of just said, I've got to spend time before anything else happens in my life, I need to spend time with Jesus myself. And a part of that, which has been the, I think the most helpful thing and is that I journal 
and and I tell the truth in my journal. So, like, I really, I, I've quest, I've asked myself this. I don't know how to do this, but like, I want to make sure that when I die, that actually nobody <laughs> reads my journal. <laughs> I don't know if I should burn them ahead of time or whatever, but I mean, they're so brutally honest uh, that I, I'm super uncomfortable if I thought somebody was ever going to read them. First of all, I'm an introvert, but second, they're just really for me and they're, they're honest wrestlings with God. And what happens in those moments when I'm doing that is I become so aware of my humanity and my sinfulness and and then it makes me really, really hungry for the grace of God. Hmm. And so if when I have gone off, it's been because I think I have it figured out. Hmm. And I am just as needy now as I ever was for Jesus. I need hmm. Jesus so badly. I need him more than I need the air I breathe. And I, and I think what keeps me there is, is honesty, that I, I'm rotten to the core. I know I have tendencies to to do all kinds of sin, and I do occasionally. And then I have to the next morning when I'm repenting, I'm I'm going to have to repent. You know, if, if I don't do it sooner, it's coming the next morning because I part mm. of my prayer life is to repent daily mm. of things that I know that I did. And if I'm going to be honest, and sometimes I even forget, and the Holy Spirit will remind me. Oh, you know, when you said that, you know, you need to go make that right today, and. I've had so many of those things that it just keeps you tender if you are honest with mm. God. Mm. <laughs> so I just need Jesus, and that's and I um uh, and I don't think so. Over the years, I mean, there's been all kinds of things. You know, I think you need to. I mean, that needs to stay fresh. Um, I look for life streams in your in your time with the Lord. I really believe you need to hear His Word every day. So at least I'm going to read something out of Scripture. I've read through the Bible so many times. I'm not doing that through the year this year um, because something else is. I'm gonna, I'm reading through the Bible, but I'm I'm doing it differently, um, mm. and uh, I'm going really slow and deep this year. So it's a different. Or it's going to be a couple of years, but. Mm. Yeah. but yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So I think um, you know, Daniel. One of the temptations as pastor is when we read time where it's supposed to be devotionally, we immediately go into, oh, this is going to be a great sermon. And how, how do you turn that off in your brain, especially someone, you know, with the languages and the experience and the, and the learning that you've done? How do you move? I think a lot of pastors I talk with struggle with this, saying, mm -hmm. I want to read devotionally, but I just am constantly fighting against this temptation to be like, oh, that'd be a great point. And this I need to put in a teaching and this will lead a Bible study. And so how, how do you kind of turn that off practically? What does that well, look like as a pastor? Yeah, I don't actually turn it off. <laughs> uh, I just say I more. Just, I just make, I make notes and then I stick it in. Uh, you know, I got this idea from, uh, and he's not my buddy. Okay. I just got it from his reading. Okay. From Rick Warren. Mm -hmm. He has a bucket file. And so when something really uh, is stands out in your, your preparation, I just make a note on it. I try not to go full bore into it, but just a note uh, of, of the concept and then stick it into a file that you're going to pull up later. Mm. And so um, I've been doing that for years. Uh, sometimes I'm not so good at turning it off because a great idea can come to you. 
And you're like, man, that's a good concept. And so you might that day, you know, not get as close. But then I do really like to push myself at the end of that, say, okay, this is going to be for other people. But what is it for you? Mm -hmm. How are you going to personally take action today on this? And so, you know, that's it's it's preaching to yourself in a way and not letting yourself off the hook just by preaching a message. I, I really think we all need to come to him, hear his word, and put it into practice today. You know, if you think about it, if you were literally following Jesus, like literally physically following Jesus, and he asked you to do something, and he's expecting you to, do, to be immediately obedient, and you're like, man, great concept, Jesus. I Man, I can't wait to think about that for a while. And you know, I'm going to preach about that one day, Jesus. And man, <laughs> I, you know, man, what, what, a, what a cool philosophy of life, Jesus. And I could, I could just watch him just like kind of tilt his head and go like, so Daniel, what are you going to do with that today? Mm-hmm. So that's really personal for me. I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about um, a concept that we use in our, our church. Uh, we, we talk about uh, the, the two questions of discipleship are, what are you hearing from the Lord and what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that's really encouraging about wiring our faith in that way. And even, even helping pastors to just giving them the courage and the wisdom to just live that. And mm-hmm. so thinking back to all of the years of ministry that you've been involved in church plants and church leadership, if you could go back in time and tell, you know, 22 year old 23-year-old Daniel who is pastoring a church or part of a pastoral team, like, hey, this is, a, this is something that I think you should really pay attention to. What, what would some of those things be? <laughs> um, I'm laughing just because it's such a great question. You know, life is a process. You don't have to do it all today. Uh, God's grace is amazing. And you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be perfect today. I I think that I would have loved to have heard a little bit more about boundaries, mm. a lot more about boundaries and how to um how to stay healthy in all the areas of my life. And then when opportunities come to not continue to say, well, this is a once in a lifetime thing. <laughs> oh, if I just do this, it'll be great, or you know, plowing through boundaries that God has given to us like like I didn't really take a Sabbath until about maybe 20 years ago or maybe. So like I used to think, well, you know, everybody else has to go to church. I just really love doing this or whatever. I had so many ways to avoid Sabbath, for example. And when I finally took Sabbath and realized the impact that that would have on my life in so many ways, like you have to readjust your life if you're going to take 24 hours off, you know, and, uh, but it's so life-giving. So I would have I would have talked about boundaries on Sabbath and boundaries on sleep and boundaries in my relationship with my wife. And um, I would have just told myself to chill out a little bit m- more because I, I, I'm wired pretty tight. And, uh, and success, like my definition of success is not Jesus' definition of success. I wish it, I wish it were, and I, I want it to realign, but man. The way I think about it, it's really different than Jesus. So I would want to hear it's okay to be a human being 
and uh, trust Jesus with the future outcomes. And he's, he, he's got you. Um, and then just keep learning. You know, it's a whole lifetime to learn what you need to learn. And when it's time to go to bed, just go to bed. And when it's time to get up, get up, you know, take care of your body. Take care of your emotional being. Um, you know, romance your wife. Uh, let her feel like, man, she is the most beautiful thing that she was when you were attracted initially. Um, my wife and I have a Friday night date night. Uh, it's like I turn my phone. I don't care who's calling me. My kids, hey, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> uh, I do have a favorites list. If they if it's something really big, they can call back twice. But man, I'm not picking that up. And I take a Sabbath like you can't even believe it. It's I don't I don't feel one ounce of guilt, but I have a massive party. And it starts about six o'clock on Friday night now, because now that I'm not pastoring, I'm, I'm actually a professor and I'm not, I'm involved in a local church. My wife and I are greeters <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we also run a little small group on Tuesday nights that we just like. And so now I can do my Sabbath on Sunday. So Saturday night is whatever we feel like doing really chill Sunday morning. I sleep in till I feel like it. I get up and do about a two hour time with Jesus, whatever. I just go as long as I want. And then uh, we go to the early service. I'm a really early riser. So it's, you know, I can't, I, even if I sleep in, it sounds funny what I tell, I tell you what I sleep <laughs> into. So, but I do. And then we go to the early service. We help out there and I come home and, uh, you know, I have to talk my, my wife has to talk me out of starting the grill when I first get home. Uh, but I, I'll about an hour later, I'll start up my grill and, you know, I don't know what your listeners are like, but like, I don't eat a lot of red meat, but on Sundays I eat a big, nasty steak. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's like an inch and a half to inch, you know, marbled and I just love it and sweet potato and all that. And we get done and I eat a, just a awesome dessert. And this is every Sunday. I'm telling you, it's like, you think I'm telling you it's every single Sunday because I love the same stuff. And then I eat a massive bowl of non-dairy ice cream with all kinds of stuff on it. And then I take about a three-hour nap every Sunday. Mm. So about five o'clock, I wake up and we take a deep breath and uh, then we just kind of relax for the evening. And that's mm. so, so I, I know that people are like, what are you talking about? I've done this for years. So it's mm. like, uh, but I, I can't wait for Sabbath, but I can work super hard during the week, knowing that I, that's coming, baby. I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> so I think stuff like that, like how would I survive? I would, I would like start doing Sabbath when I'm like 23, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, I don't well, know. You, well, you don't know this, Daniel, but uh, while you were talking, Doug and I just booked flights. We'll be joining you for this weekend. <laughs> so we hey, can enjoy Sunday with you a, like that. Cause that I sounds amazing. House, <laughs> I have a big house. We'll buy a couple extra steaks and two huge queen beds. <laughs> I, I was just kidding. But if you're serious, we'll, <laughs> I, I am serious. A place to fish if you need to do that too. Oh yes, definitely. Oh, now, now, now you're, you're talking Doug's language. language. <laughs> yeah, I just caught, I caught about a, Four and a half. I probably shouldn't lie. So I'm going to, I'm going to under, I, I, I'm going to, this is under what he weighed, but I, I weighed at least a four and a half pound largemouth bass oh about a month gosh. ago. 
in, yeah, in the just winter. Literally, <laughs> yeah, just around the corner from my house. Wow. That's awesome. Well, and was that on a yeah. Sabbath or no? No, that was on an evening. Okay. I was just chilling out. That it sounds like a beautiful a, evening. That sounds like a good evening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Daniel, just a couple more things as, as we're wrapping up. But uh, first thing is this. Um, you got a couple minutes. What are some encouragements that you would want to leave with pastors? And then the second question is, can you leave us with a benediction? Yes. So encouragements, I would say, hey, you didn't call you to ministry. Uh, God called you, and he is not at all surprised by anything that's going on at this season. He isn't like, oh, man, I just didn't see this pandemic coming, you know? God put you on the earth at this time for such a time as this because he's wired you, he's prepared you. Don't give up, man. Uh, he's going to be here when it's all over. And as don't don't measure success by what the world tells you, by the number of people who attend your church, all that silly stuff. Do it. I mean, we all want to we all want to have lots of people, <laughs> but but honestly, build your life on on Him. He He is never going to let you down. Mm. So so continue on. Encourage. Be encouraged. There will be another day, and when this is all over, we get to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, face-to-face mm. for all of eternity. So whatever we're going through now, if it's difficult, if you're struggling in your marriage, maybe you're struggling psychologically, like I've gone through rounds of counseling and gotten healthier and all kind of stuff. You know, wherever you're, you're feeling like you're not succeeding, just bring it to Jesus and then just relax mm. and let him kind of show you his amazing grace and then just take the next step. And so I, w- I want to encourage you that way because, because we all want to quit on Mondays. Mm. And, uh, and I, I have many times when I've quit and then had to start up back on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm thankful that Jesus didn't quit on me and he hasn't quit on you. Amen. For a benediction, I thought about like, you know, what came to my mind. And so I'm going to pull this up real quick. Um, there's a great blessing in Hebrew. I think I know it, but I don't want to risk, um, <laughs> you know, messing it up here since this is recorded and all. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, in number six, I love this passage. We've probably said this so many times, right? Uh, at the end of services or whatever, but I, I, I get to teach Hebrew at Southeastern <laughs> University. And I am loving it, man. I have so much fun. We have such a great crew, too. This year, it's the best Hebrew class I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a blessing here that I love to pray, and uh, which you know. It goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor. Our passion is to serve, partner with, and equip hungry pastors and kingdom leaders just like you 
Have you ever considered engaging in pastoral or ministry coaching? We have a team of coaches at Kairos Partnerships available to serve you. If you want to know more, log on to our website at kairospartnerships.org for a free 30-minute coaching call to give it a test drive. Thanks again for listening. We're grateful you tuned into this episode. We'll catch you next week for another episode. God bless and bless God.